So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to 90 Day Fiance MK. I'm Mr. O, and today, Miss H and I will be discussing Season 7, Episode 12 of Happily Ever After. On this episode, Usman goes on a date with an 18-year-old, Bilal and Shida go to New York City to meet with their friend Utris, Jovi wants to bring his party friend along to Germany, Angela calls random people on Michael's contact list, Libby agrees to family therapy, and Jenny finally gets around to decorating. As always, we'll end with our Students of the Week, class dances, and life lessons. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star rating and subscribe. And if you also watch Love After Lockup, you should listen to our other channel, Love After Lockup MK, where we'll be covering the new season of life during lockup. All right, thanks for listening. Stay safe and enjoy. Hello, Miss Crow. Hello, Miss H. How are you today? Cold. It just got cold all of a sudden here. I'm not appreciating it. It's been cold for like a week over here, at least. Oh, well, our version. Yeah, of cold, my version know. of cold meant I had to scrape the ice off my car this morning. Oh, Your version no. of cold doesn't know doesn't mean that. No, I do not know that version of cold. <laughs> thankfully. Oh yeah, but I mean, it's kind of okay because I was pretty hot at some of the people on this episode this week. Oh goodness, very heated. Yeah, I was gonna say I had some heated conversations. Let's start off with our one of our fights, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Michael and Angela. So Angela is packing up her stuff. She's upset that Michael has lied to her, and she's just exhausted. I mean, she's been saying that for like the last five episodes, but Angela is having a hard time letting go because she's invested so much, and she's fifty six now, so she fears no one will want to date her. Michael calls Angela, uh, and. Angela lights up a cigarette to take uh, the call. He wants to talk, and Angela agrees. Angela realizes that she has threatened to leave a lot, but actually hasn't actually followed through. Angela says that talk is cheap, and what she really thinks is more important are actions, and she hasn't seen anything yet. Michael and Angela meet, and Angela finally gets to wear her favorite pink pants. Michael tries to give her a hug, and she just stands there. Michael tells her once again that he will delete his Instagram, which makes him feel discouraged. He's changing his mind because she is threatening to leave Nigeria and he just wants to make this marriage work. Angela tells him he shouldn't have ever put up an Instagram in the first place. She tells him just to tell the truth. Angela asks to see his phone without him doing anything, and he's doing something before he hands it to Angela. She demands to know who this Angel is, and he says, a friend. So Angela says she will call her. Michael says that he doesn't like this, but Angela says she will always be up in his business so long as they are married. Angel picks up, and Angela demands to know why she's in her husband's contacts. Michael begs her to stop. Angel says she's just Michael's friend, and Angel, Angela yells uh, at her, and she hangs up. Michael says there's nothing going on. Angela says that every time she yells, it's her snapping from something as she starts crying. Michael tries to comfort her. They kiss and make up. Angela asks if he's going to go back home or stay at the hotel with her, and he says that she knows the answer. Michael recognizes that he needs to do something for her to know that she can't control him. Okay, so Michael's, you know, he's giving in. I mean, all of this, all this drama, all season long, just for him to actually give in. Mm -hmm. But 
you know, the reason why he was so stubborn on his point was he doesn't like this idea of Angela controlling her and he doesn't controlling him and he doesn't want to feel like he's in this marriage where he's completely controlled. So now he says that he has to do something so she knows that she can't control him. What do you think that something is? I have no idea what he's talking about. I I really don't because she does control him every time. She she does control him 100 yeah. percent. And every time she mentions like the things you did to me every time, yeah. all that is, is him grabbing any bit of independence at all. And she's like, do you see what you did to my heart? You pained my heart like she uses and she uh, the way she co-ops the language of, of victimhood and talks yeah. about her pain and her hurt because he has a person in her in his phone that she doesn't know. And right. that's what he did to cause her such pain. He opened yeah. an Instagram account and she acts like uh, she acts like he cheated on her. Like, yeah. And it's 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 crazy. And like, so I don't know what he could possibly do. He can't have he can't change his phone's password. Like what level right. of control could he have that that wouldn't get this reaction from her? There's absolutely none. I do not have any idea what his plan could be because right. he has no control. Yeah. And I mean, it's one of those things where I'm sure there's people where there is kind of this dynamic of someone super controlling and the other person just doesn't care. Sure. Sure. Control my life, you know, and I feel like Angela has to be with one of those people. Like she can't be with someone who wants independence in any way. I think people are okay with that. And and there's always a time limited thing. At some point, Mm -hmm. you're just you you can't keep doing that. It's not a life. it's, It's not a sustainable Future And the thing is, is like, yeah, the part where she's like, nobody's going to date me because I'm 56 or whatever. That's not why nobody wants to date you. Right. It's because you're a controlling monster. That's why nobody right. wants to date you. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, to the point where like I literally was watching this part of the show. I was like and turned to my 13 year old who was in the other room. It was like, if you weren't ever dating someone that rips your phone out of your hand, calls a random contact and says, I just want to know why your number's in my phone. You need to break up with that person immediately. That is such a like huge violation of like your personhood. It's like, it's insane. Yeah. And also shows absolutely no trust. And, you know, I know Angela would argue, well, this man has never given me anything to like say that he's trustworthy. It's like the the bigger problem is that she's like the way that she is because she thinks that he's untrustworthy because he's just trying not to get in trouble with her. Yes. So, yeah, he like keeps on lying to her because he's really just trying to like stay out of trouble. He's trying to keep her from yelling at him. Yes. Right. And if she wasn't behaving like that all the time then he would feel more open to be honest with her and then you know you wouldn't have this weird seeming cycle but then that's the other thing too is like she says that well you've never you haven't given me any reason to trust you she literally did say mm-hmm. that right like yeah. now i ask the same kind of question what could he possibly do that would prove she could trust him because the only way you can earn trust is by doing something trustworthy. And if you don't right. trust them to do anything, they can't possibly do something trustworthy. Yeah. Like, I have no idea what he could possibly do to earn her trust. Like, she won't give him the opportunity. Yeah, because that was the thing that was very frustrating to me about this whole Instagram thing is, like, she made no attempt to come to some kind of compromise, right? No. Like, why can't he have an Instagram and turn comments off of all his posts? Then there isn't a back and forth, 
you know, like, I, I don't understand, you know, why she can't trust him, like, even a little bit. What if they both do a shared Instagram where they both have, like, a joint account and they both post to it? Why couldn't that be part of the solution? But we couldn't even get to that part because it's like she's unwilling to have any conversation because it's like her way or no way. Yes. And it's it, it that, that goes again. If you're like, no, you have to turn off your social media. It's like, mm-hmm. great, because I don't trust you. Right. So how is he going to game? It maybe you know, if it's like, if you're, oh, well, I trust you to keep the comments off and he does. And you're right, mm-hmm. because I guess the way she does it is, well, if you didn't lie to me, then I would trust you. But yeah. again, he only lies because he knows she's going to overreact to everything. Right. And she does. She comes through every time. Yeah. It's like it, that. that's like that's a guarantee that he that she's yeah. going to overreact to anything. But it's like, I don't know, I could not get past this dang phone call. And like the other that's the other thing. Her assumptions are just bad. Like she was like, well, he was like, please, please don't call her. Please, please don't do that. Right. Right. And in her head, she's just like, oh, because you're going to get in trouble because I'm going to find something out where it's like, just have a like a little bit of empathy and think about who is in your phone contacts. Like, right. And they are, I mean, I have a whole bunch of people that are in my phone contacts right here that I have no I, mean, I don't. I have no romantic interest. I have no really interest in doing anything, making any else happen. But if you called them and said, I want to know why your number's on his phone, I would be mortified. Oh, sure. Uh, <laughs> I would think a lot of like business contacts, right? Because yeah. I mean, we deal with, you know, and professionally, why? But I mean, she doesn't have to worry about that. You know, he doesn't have a job. Right. But even if it wasn't, even if it wasn't business contacts, right? If it's like, right. because it was the way, oh, somebody. Because, you know, I don't even know. My contacts all blend together. It's my email contacts, stuff like that. Yeah, Could be somebody sure. from high school, right? I don't mm-hmm. know. Somebody from college that I haven't – or Right. And that's what their situation was is this was his friend from college. And yeah. they bo- she said that to like back up his story. And then she did the oh, – and then that, but that's the other thing too is then the girl – then the woman hung up on him. I was kind of rooting that the other one would be like, why are you calling me? Are you insane? Right. Are you a psychopath? Why? What are no. you doing right now? Like I wanted the woman to say yeah. that back to her instead of just hanging up on her. Although hanging up on her was the right was the right choice. Oh, sure. But again, Angela's going to be like, oh, she hung up on me. Well, I know what that means. Like everything she – everything that happens is going to point to the – if the the thing the story she made up in her head yeah yeah angela oh my goodness she's just she's just an awful 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 person right right and you know it's like he almost was out almost we were almost there yeah and now we're back at square one yeah i just did, does he want that visa that bad that's all i can think of probably all right let's go let's move on to yeah let's go to yara and jovi all right, so Yara's mom is watching Myla, so the two of them get to have – I thought it was going to be a date night, but it's really like just like a night out with adults because they're going to meet with Jovi's friend um, Talmadge, who apparently has such a difficult-to-pronounce name that they call him T. But I'm going to call him Talmadge because it's not hard to pronounce. I know. I didn't think so either. All I don't know. Right. It's just, it, I, I, I teach at a school with people with, with incredibly di- an incredibly diverse school with all these international students. And like that's actually something that gets under most of their skin is like I it, it's xenophobic and like borderline hateful when the teacher's like, I can't pronounce that. Like it's disrespectful. Um, but anyway, anyway, he's from he um, Talmadge is an expat uh, from Georgia who's living in Germany. And I re- for some reason for a long time until he talked, I thought it was going to be Georgia, the country, but it was Georgia, the state. 
uh, I assumed that. <laughs> I did go. I thought they're in East. They're in like Easternish Europe. I was like, oh, he must have met this guy from Georgia of a country as they were going around. But like, no, it was it was. And his name was Talmadge, and it's it was it's Georgia of a state, so he's American. Anyway, back in um, Jovi's pre-marriage days, him and Talmadge would have some wild times all over Europe, including Ukraine. And it was a uh, actually he was the first guy that brought Jovi to Ukraine. So anyway, Talmadge says that he thought that he and Jovi were going to be travel buddies for a long while, but, you know, he got hitched to Yara and that all changed. So in fact, Jovi says that without him, he would never even have met Yara. But like lots of buddies, Talmadge is going to try to get him into some trouble in front of his wife about all the girls they met up with when they were in Ukraine before they met her. So it's news to Yara, who didn't know that Jovi had messed around with other Ukrainian girls. Um, She just is like, he told me he had one other girlfriend. And I was like, oh. Think mm-hmm. he considered these girlfriends. So it's like, does he consider strippers girlfriends? Right? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so anyway, then Jovi brings up his end, which is the Yara apartment shopping in Prague. And then they bicker about whether or not she was hiding things from him because he assumes that she knew that she was going to come look for apartments before she got here. And she kind of thinks like, no, that was something that came up while we were here. So so Talmadge kind of thinks that Yara's being unfair and expecting Jovi to be a mind reader. And Yara thinks that you're a bachelor who's, you know, sleeping with lots of women or whatever, and you don't know anything about marriage. So <laughs> then they talk about what their what the plans are to do in Europe next. And Yara says she's going to visit a, fr- a refugee friend who's living in Germany right now. And Jovi asks if Talmadge can come along, which Yara doesn't like because she thinks that means that Jovi's going to turn this into a party trip. Mm. All right. So I start with that. What do you think the chances are that uh, this turns into a Yovi party trip? Oh, 100% because look at how he keeps on referring to this trip to Prague. As a vacation. He's on saying vacation, yep. vacation, you know, and he even made some comment about how, oh, they have really good beer in Germany. Yeah, 100% this is a party trip. But at the same time, I don't see why they can't multitask because Yard doesn't really want to hang out with Jovi and her friend. So why not have Jovi there? And, you know, he can hang out with his friend and he's still kind of around. You need to escort anywhere, as he's been saying. It does make sense that, like, if you're going to mm-hmm. go to Germany, you, you don't want Jovi around. But you also don't want to spend all day talking to your refugee friend, right, mm-hmm. and trying to figure out what those deal with. Just to go back and have your drunk ass husband, like, showing up, like, yeah, with a big, you know, with more beer, be like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> That's not good either. Yeah. I do think that Jovi, you know, needs to be a little bit more um, like giving on this trip. I feel like he is has been kind of selfish. I think it is a culmination of, you know, they were in America. Yara couldn't leave. So it's not like they're going on vacations because it would be weird if Jovi went on vacation without her. They have a child. It was the pandemic. You're talking about a guy who used to travel internationally, go on vacations anytime he had time off. And to go from that and living that lifestyle to what they are now, like that's why he's itching to get out and be like, this is a vacation. Right. So I'm not saying that that's right in any way, but it's like same time, Jovi kind of has to like just simmer down and recognize that this is not one of those kinds of trips. Yeah. But yeah, this is, you're right. This is a guy who was used to taking, and I think the pandemic hit him hard because he's used to taking multiple of these kind of trips a year. Let's Mm -hmm. go to this part of the world and get drunk there. 
and then we'll go to this yeah. other part of the world and get drunk there. <laughs> like that was yeah. that that's his that's his MO. That's what he enjoys doing. And he hasn't been able to do it for a long time. Right, right. So yeah, and that and that's gotta be kind of tough on him, but I mean that's his life, you know. Like that's what let's you have the, kids. That's what that's what kids right. do. Yeah. Most of these things would have still been the same way, even if the pandemic had never happened. You know, like if he had still married Yara, like they still wouldn't have been able to leave because of her green card situation and they have a kid. So it's, you know, this was going to be his life. Yes. Yeah, it was. It was. All right. Uh, moving on to uh, Libby and Andre. So Libby, Andre, Ellie and the grandpas are all visiting an alpaca farm a day after the big pregnancy announcement. None of the Florida family has reached out to congratulate or respond to the pregnancy news via social media. Libby and her dad, Chuck, go off for a talk. Chuck is, Chuck is concerned that Libby's sisters and mom were involved in the pregnancy announcement. Libby tells Chuck she is just feeling tired and that she's just going to focus on being pregnant, so she's going to put her singing career on hold. Chuck said that he's disappointed that the family wasn't there to share in the news. Libby understands her sisters might be hurt, but she's been hurt over some of the decisions and things that they have said, especially when it comes to her family. Chuck says that Libby needs her family, especially when things get tough. He's been wanting to stay out of all of this drama and let the girls figure it out themselves, but he would hate to see them all on the outs when she's in need. Chuck brings up his cancer diagnosis and says that he didn't live just to see a fractured family. Chuck suggests that they all go to family therapy when they get back to Florida. Libby says she will try it once, but if it's negative, she's not going to go back. It's their last night in Arizona, so the grandpas are watching Ellie as Libby and Andre get a date night. Libby brings up a baby moon, and Andre thinks that this is all very American thing to do. Libby says she better be getting a push present this time around. They are planning a gender reveal, and they are looking ahead to who they will invite. Andre doesn't think they should invite her sister since they haven't heard from them since they made their announcement. Andre wants to protect Libby from her family. Libby tells Andre about her dad's request to go to family therapy. Andre says that he doesn't care, so whatever, and he doesn't respect them. Libby thinks it could be good, especially if they come to some kind of resolution. Andre says that they don't really have therapy in Moldova, and if there's a conflict, you just don't see that person. Andre then gets curious if uh, he puts them on the spot if the therapist will back him up. Libby says that it's not the right attitude to have, but Andre agrees to go. All right. Uh, so do you think that uh, Andre specifically is going to have an open mind in family therapy? Uh, I believe he told us that he was not at the very end there. <laughs> like he literally did the classic thing like, yeah, therapy. That sounds like a great idea because the therapist will tell them how wrong they are. And that'll right. bring us all together. Yeah. Like, it's like, that's not how therapy works. Right. Like, they want it to be like an art, like a uh, conflict mediator who just is like, I've heard this conflict and have made the wise decision about who is right. <laughs> it is Andre. He is right. Because, yeah. But think of it. That's a theme we've seen. If you go into therapy thinking like that the therapist is there to correct the other person, it's going to right. go terribly. And this is going yeah. to go terribly. Yeah, I mean, haven't we seen, like, in the um, season previews or whatever, like, their attempt at this and... Oh, yeah, yeah, it's very much, I think there's a, yeah, I've seen that there's, there's going to be a ball and yes. there's, like... people talking over each other, talking even though they don't have the ball. You don't have the conk, like, shut up, piggy, all kinds of stuff, yes. <laughs> like... <laughs> right. 
but the talking continues anyway. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so, yeah, no, it's not going to go well. And I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't know what Chuck expects, and I don't know how, why his expectations are still where they are, considering what's happened in the past. Yeah, I don't know. I guess you just have this like idealized, um, you know, fantasy that your family will all get along. And I certainly think like, you know, like it matters a lot sometimes to like your older family members than it does with your younger family members. Maybe because your younger family members, you realize how many more years you have to deal with these people. But, uh, you know, like my parents, they tell me all the time, like when uh, my sister and I, you know, uh, get in a fight, they're like, you only have each other. You need to like make up and everything needs to be good because, you know, you only have each other as family. But me and my sister have actually been to um, therapy before. And one of the things the therapist said to us is, you know, you can't have this expectation that your family is always going to be there to put on expectations to other people isn't right, regardless of their family or anyone else, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's like, and I think that's part of what this family, they're, they're one of their issues is, is they kind mm. of have this, these expectations of, well, you're supposed to because you're family. Right. And it's like, well, right. mm, let's just break that up. Like, do you want them to? Do they need to be there? Like, and I think it definitely hurts that they're trying to have this, uh, this whole family relationship and the business is involved. Mm -hmm. Right. And so they're not. And so there's businesses and there's people trying to because th the reason they have issues with Andre and the reason Andre bucks with them is because he's trying to hone in on their business. Right. Yeah. And so once you have yeah. the business and the family stuff just intermingled, it, it just makes everything worse. Yeah, it, it's kind of frustrating to me. And I mean, I don't know their business, you know, so well, but, you know, that it's like there isn't enough to go around. Yes, that's what it sounds Apparently like. Apparently not. Yeah. There's not enough to go around and they're all fighting for it. They think that they – that the, 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 the hit Chuck's children instead of the in-laws should get first dibs mm -hmm. and that mm -hmm. if Andre gets any of the dibs when they still are hungry, then that's him going against the family and coming in between the family and trying to like yeah. break – I don't know. It's just they're, they're just all so, – and they're all petty people. Like it's really yeah. hard to get along with people when everybody involved is petty. Yeah. Well, they definitely are. <laughs> Okay, can we also like this is the bougiest damn family we've ever we have on this show, aren't they? Like, yes, yes. They didn't just go to they didn't just have it. They had a rented Escalade when they went to the llama farm. Like <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. I don't know, maybe they were expecting to bring a llama home, an alpaca. An alpaca, yeah, it was alpaca. I mean, between that and the insistence on push presents and um bump I don't know what else was there. Push presents, baby um, moon, baby um, moons. Um, the oh, gender the gender reveal, reveal party. Like, how yeah. many times are they going to celebrate this kid, man? Like, what? Hey, the push presents for the mom, and I'm all for it. I mean, whatever. I, it's not, it's not something that was even a thing when I had my kids were born. Like, it was like, what about the push present? I was like, what the what now? The what? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. And the baby moon just sounds awful. Like. Why do you want to go and to me? But it's because that's what I do. But but it just sounds like I get the oh you have one last vacation before the baby comes. First of all, that's only supposed to be before your first baby. The second baby, right, what are you going to bring gonna say, the other one with no it? That makes no sense. Um, but then it's like, well, let's go on our big long honeymoon trip. Only one of us can't drink at all. 
Yeah. Since she's pregnant. Like that sounds That's true. That sounds less than ideal. And not can't drink and might feel really shitty like the whole time. Yeah, depending. Uh, hopefully you're far enough along where you're not going to give birth, but far enough along where you're also not. But you're, there's there's still discomfort, right? I know there's no like it's oh, just an increasing yeah, level sure. of discomfort as you go along. Absolutely. There's nothing about pregnancy that seems like a vacation. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So. All right. Going on to people getting hurt and doing things. Let's go to Jenny and Smith. So Jenny is at the doctor and we have to see it. So she tells us that her daughter, Christina, and her wife, Jen, are coming to visit. And while she was trying to hang up some pictures, she was standing on a chair that collapsed or fell over and now her shoulder hurts. So it's still bothering her a few days later and that's why she's here. So the doctor says it may be a muscle or ligament tear and there's nothing broken, but she's going to need 10 days of PT. She says physical therapy and then proceeds to do something that's not part of physical therapy. But anyway, this makes Simit worried about her fragile old body. And it it's one of those no- moments where he really notices their age gap, which gives him pause, uh, you know, for telling her that he's kind of telling people around that he wants to try to have a child to win his mom back. So anyway, they start the treatment for her, which has, it looks like some acupuncture needles that freaks Simit out because he's scared of needles. So scared that he said he's fainted three times getting blood drawn. God. <laughs> so while she's sitting there and he's just like, is it a needle? I feel like it's in me. It's stabbing me in the stomach. I just feel like, uh, like she tells him this is why he can't work seven days a week because it, what, how is she going to get to the doctor if he was working? So he wants to work on reducing her dependence on him so that he can work more. And then she leaves in a sling. But back home, she's taking the sling off because she's like, it just makes my shoulder hurt worse. She also has to clean to impress Christina and they, I don't know, I feel like they trolled her with this because they keep showing her mopping the floor right next to this electrical outlet that's just like hanging off the wall. Oh like God. it's like nothing is put together. Everything's broken. Um, and also they then they go and like dust off this table that just has water rings all over it. So anyway, as they're cleaning, Christina and her wife Jen get there and it's all smiles and hugs from everybody. So again, the place – looks a lot better because they actually hung some things on the walls and they have food ready. So I feel like having that done for Mama Submit was a possibility, but no, they're only going to do it here. So all in all, they're better, like I said, they're better prepared for her than Submit's parents. So Christina still has her reservations about this whole relationship. And they start to talk about like, how's married life going? Which quickly leads to talking about how, how and if his family will ever accept Jenny and the relationship. So Jenny thinks that there's zero chance the family will ever, ever accept her. They may upset, accept Submit back, but never her. And Submit thinks, yeah, once they calm down, I think things will be okay. So Christina is obviously concerned about the situation and wants eh, the same thing that Jenny's probably been talking about. For Submit to just like go to his parents and be like, listen, we're married. If you want to be a part of that, that's great. If not, okay, then I won't talk to you anymore. But just like always, he insists that this is not – it's not – thinkable in his in his culture not uh, it's not really a possibility I and mean, then it's just not going to happen so he also kind of says to us and not directly to her but christina doesn't understand and needs to keep her nose out because you know this isn't really her culture all right so i guess i guess it's always the question like it seems like both of these people for people that married people from very different cultures both submit and jenny are just 
at a refusal to understand the other person's culture and what we're talking about. And like, I don't, I don't know why that is or how that they think that's going to work. Yeah, I don't know. I think um, Summit just, I, I think this is why he's so resistant to visit or go to America is he's just like, well, this is how it is here. So you just have to get in line. Right. So I think he thinks that, you know, just by nature of where they are, like, she'll just have to kind of accept it. And Jenny is probably thinking like, oh, well, you know, I am your partner. I have already made so much sacrifice to be here. You should accept my culture. So I think like they both are starting off with a premise that the other one probably isn't on board with. Right. Right. And they never like, you know, there's like a fundamental problem there that they just like are never addressing. And they're just, they just think the other one's just being unnecessarily stubborn instead of being what they are being. And they're, well, they are being unnecessarily stubborn, but they're not right. stubborn about the specific issues. They're stubborn about like who's going to adapt more to who, the other's culture. Right. Um, And that's an interesting question too, because it's like, <sighs> do you expect, uh, I can see from Jenny's perspective, like she's already kind of sacrificed a lot. Well, to Jenny's perspective, she's sacrificed everything. Yeah, right. so the very least he could do is try more. Mm -hmm. Try to be more a little bit yeah, like her. But I see where he's coming from. It's like, does it really matter what I try? Because like we're living in India. And if you do the non-Indian right. thing, that's going to get side eye and it's going to have consequences like that that go with it. But but you're right. But then his, then his, his move for that isn't, well, let's go to America and see if it works there. It's to say, no, 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 I, I can't go to America ever. And now we have to do this. That's like his way of forcing his side of the argument. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think I may be slightly team Jenny in this scenario because it is difficult for her to be completely immersed in this culture. And she is giving up a lot, like you said, almost everything. And he should be trying to make her life like, you know, as homey, as familiar as possible. Right. Because he I was, mean, if yeah, he can. If you remember, he was into the part where it was like, vacuum cleaners? No, we don't use those in India. And she's like, but we oh, use them in nice. America. And I am from America and I want a vacuum cleaner. And he was like, that's, this is not, this is dumb. Like, right. you just won't give up on anything. Right. Yeah. And it's like, and so I do kind of question about like, are, where is he compromising here? Right. Besides yeah. marrying her, which again, we've discussed with the Usman and Kim is not. A compromise? Right. Well, also, it's like, yeah, that was like compromise over many years and much suffering. Yes. And you got the one thing and it's like, well, I thought when we got married, did she just give me everything else? It would be all good. I mean, and we know the one sacrifice he's not going to make is doing anything that involves needles. Oh, God. That was, wow. Like, I am not, I would say, I, would, I, I, I say I used to be not so great with needles. I think now at this point, whatever. You know, especially after COVID and flu shots, I feel like I'm getting stuck like every two, every couple months, right? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's just it, one of those things that's have done. But I'm like, I feel like by the it, – it, it, I guess it also – that's what really gets the age gap for me. And I was like, oh, this guy is so young. He hasn't gotten that many blood tests done. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's just – I don't know. He's He just seems like – he is a difficult person to like deal with, right? Yeah. And it, I think it's one of those things where you you he doesn't come off that way. 
because he does come off as very like jovial, like, you know, eager to please. But, you know, it's like he seems real stuck in his ways. He very much is. But you're right. The way he's stuck in his ways sounds nice. His tone mm-hmm. isn't off, right? But right. if you're like, hey, could we um maybe, you know, do the toilet paper like overhand style instead of underhand style? He'd be like, oh, well, that's nice. I see what you're saying there. But, you know, I just – the way we do it is overhand um, and that's just um, how <laughs> we do it. that's all we do. Yeah. So we just do it that way. Or the underhand, whatever it is. But he just says it. He's like, oh, I, I hear what you're saying, but yeah. um, we do it the other way. So we're going to keep doing that. <laughs> yeah. So he certainly has this very pleasant demeanor. Yeah. But it's like strip that away or kind of like he, he doesn't seem that easy. No, he just says no to everything. He yeah. literally just says no to everything. Right. And then has his own demands. Yeah. All right. Um, so moving on to uh, other yeah, people that are difficult to get along with, uh, Bilal and Shida. So uh, Bilal and Shida are packing for a trip to New York. Shida is actually impressed with Bilal's packing skills and asks him to teach her. Shida is disappointed that nothing seems to be coming together with the yoga studio or with the baby. She's frustrated that Bilal seems to keep delaying what she wants. They are going to New York to meet with Shida's friend, Eutris, uh, who is flying in from London. Shida has always dreamed about going to New York. Bilal is hoping to be romantic and show Shida that they won't be able to do things like that once, they're, once they have babies around. Eutris has not met Bilal, but she knows about their conflict in child timelines. So Shida foresees some issues because Bilal and Eutris both have type A personalities. Shida's first impression of New York is loud and smells like a posy, which in Trinidad doesn't mean a flower, but actually it means urine. Shida is in awe of the city skyline. She hints to Bilal that she wants to be trying to have kids on this trip, and Bilal says they should just have fun and not worry about anything. Shida is hoping that they will have some answers one way or the other in New York, and Eutris will help motivate those difficult conversations. Shida and Bilal are touring the city where Bilal buys Shida a rose and they go to Times Square. Shida thinks it's beautiful and romantic. Shida is caught up in everything, calling Bilal the perfect guy and alludes to having a good time in bed where they can make a baby. Bilal says that making a baby on this trip is just not happening. Shida and Bilal are meeting up with Eutris. Shida asks what Eutris thinks of Bilal and Eutris says that she hasn't forgiven Shida for marrying him before she was able to actually meet him. Bilal says that a relationship is between two individuals and they want to keep things private. He doesn't think the relationship is about her and Shida tells him to relax. Eutris tells him he is being mean and rude and says he looks tense. Bilal thinks that she's aggressive and he gets the impression that she doesn't like him. Bilal then calls her nosy. Eutris feels uncomfortable and Eutris is worried that Shida is overlooking some red flags. Eutris thinks uh, Bilal is being evasive, but Bilal says he's confident and has nothing to hide. Shida is feeling uncomfortable because she wants them both to get along. Eutris says she never said anything disrespectful to Bilal, but Bilal says that she has been giving off bad energy this whole time. He says that as Shida's best friend, she should know all the things he's done for her. Shida is trying to change the subject by asking them what they're going to order. Eutris is put off of food and thinks this is a serious situation. All right. So they both kind of came in hot. But uh, who do you side with, uh, Eutris or Bilal, in this uh, brief uh, exchange? (sighs) I mean, 
honestly, probably Bilal. Like, and it, not saying that he's all that thing, but I'm like, I'm you're I'm, you're, you're this person's friend. I don't just it, it's, if somebody comes to me, I under, I get where he's coming from more. I guess it was like because she came in very aggressively, like yeah, and he was like, nope, that's none of your business. So I don't know what you're talking about. And she's like, my friend yeah. is not my business. And he was like, you, I don't know you. Like, what are you talking about? Like, mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of the and then so. I, I guess I don't know whose side I am on, or in terms of who was more right or more wrong. I just feel mm-hmm. like I got the impression that she was the aggressor and he was like counter punching more than more than anything else. Yeah, I don't know if I exactly saw it that way. Um, I think that uh, you know, okay, I I don't not see it that way. I do think that Utris was definitely being more straightforward uh, than Bilal was at the beginning. Mm -hmm. But then Bilal almost immediately took this like forwardness as, you know, oh, you're aggressive and there's this negative. And so then he he was he was incredibly rude. I, I wouldn't say that anything Utris said was flat out rude. I mean, she definitely called him out on his bullshit saying that he was being mean. Yeah, but he was being, I don't know. I just, I feel like she started with, so hi, how's it going? My friend tells me you're an asshole. So why don't you talk about that? And he's like, the hell are you talking about? Like, you, what? Like, like I, I. I didn't see it that way. I mean, she didn't actually say, you know, and if anything. No, but Bola she was also like, that- but she was, she came in really hot with, so let's talk about the problems in your relationship with my friend. And it was mm-hmm. like, that's what you want to – you're meeting me the first time and that's what you want to talk about? That's where you're going to go with? Let me tell you – let me talk about the things that I did my friend wrong. Not heist to meet you, not anything. So it may be – I don't know. It was, it was like – I was going to say it's British, but it's not British. British people have they, – they, they have pleasantries first before they get into fights. They don't go straight <laughs> at it. Well, I don't know. My mom is actually British and I don't know if I can speak for British people, but – She's very straightforward. <laughs> I don't know. But there's a there's a there's a time. There's a there's a straightforward. You get you get you say your pleasantries first, and then you get to the then you get to the fighting words. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know about that, but you know, definitely different kind of relationship. No, I, I, no. To be to be fair, it did take both of them because I feel like, given the choice between escalating and diffusing, he chose escalation. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But okay. And this is like how clueless I think he is. Like he was convinced that Utris was going to love him because he thinks that he is the best partner ever. He's like, oh, Shida's going to share all the great things that I do for her. So the fact that Utris came in hot, he 100% wasn't expecting that. He's thinking that Shida is like telling all her friends and family what a great guy oh, he is right, all the time. Right. Yes, that's true. That's true. He wasn't expecting that. So he was like, wow. Uh, she tells you. Yeah, if you're head in your head, you think, well, she told you 90% good things and 10% bad things. You're going to come in here and question me about the 10% bad things that she told you? Right. Like, that's nosy. That's you just trying to get in between us, man. Like, Yeah. I don't think he realizes how big of a deal this kid thing is with Shida. I mean, I think he does, but I don't think he realizes that she is constantly talking about this outside of them. Right. And you do kind of have to – and I feel like this is something that happens more as you get older too. Like 
when you get a, as you get a little bit older, especially if you stay single, some of your friends become very like protective of you. And they're mm-hmm. like, looks, we, we, you know, she's like, I love Shida and I want the best for her. So if somebody's going to treat her bad, you're going to, you're going to hear from me. Like, how, yeah. how, is it going to happen? Right. And it does. And especially, you know, if there's been a bunch of bad relationships or whatever, there tends to be like, and I've had this same thing when I was, you know, started dating my partner is like a lot of her friends were like, mm, I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's a guy. I don't, I don't know. And kind of they come at you not as aggressive as Uterus did for sure. But definitely mm-hmm. not like with what Bilal wanted with the best – with the necessarily best of assumptions. And it was kind yeah. of like – and I I very much know it because I go into lots of situations being like, all right, I'm going to tell you what's bullshit. I'm going to find out what's bullshit. I'm going to listen to you. But I'm going to tell you – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out what's bullshit. And like so I think a lot of friends, you know, especially protective friends tend to come in like that. And it takes a lot to win them over. But what takes to win them over – isn't calling them nosy and fighting with them. <laughs> That's not no. going to do it. Yeah, definitely not. I I don't know. This is just a difficult situation. I just, I want Bilal to get a reality check of Shida's like, yes. all this anxiety and like sadness, right? No, no, I think you're true because I think, I think based on this conversation, he does kind of think, listen, this baby thing is just a flighty flavor of the month right. thing. If we just ride it out, she'll stop talking about it and then we right. can move on. Right. And yeah. And of- I don't think he knows how serious it is. And I think he just really needs a reality check about how serious this is. And that's why I'm like, go uterus. But it's not starting off because as soon as he gets defensive, he's not putting any kind of validity or, you know, stock into that's this. That's true because he does when she's like, well, what about this baby thing? She's already her, his first start is, well, why do you even know about that? Like, yeah, none of your business. None of your business. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I, it was definitely a lot of tone stuff going on, too. I just I found it hard to watch. Like, I I. I it was hard for me to even gauge what was going on because I was like, this is uncomfortable for me. I don't know why either of these people are talking to each other like this. Like, I don't talk right. to anybody the way either of these people are talking. Yeah. Yeah, Shida is definitely uh, very uncomfortable. She kept on trying to like, where's our drink? <laughs> yes. Where's our food? What, what do you want to order? Like, definitely trying to change the subject. Sure. Sure. All right. So last up, longest for me. Started talking about this earlier offline, so I'm excited <laughs> to go for this one. And that's Kim and Usman. So we start with Usman and his mother getting out of an SUV because it's time for Usman to meet this potential suitor that she wants him to marry for babies. So he says he doesn't really plan on going along with this, but he hopes that at least by meeting with her, mom will agree to Kim Kimberly being the first wife. So his mom's friend opens the door and introduces Faradit, who... As you might imagine, and just, you know, for the storyline of the show, is a very attractive person. But I don't want to talk about how attractive she is or anything because she's 18 years yeah, old. Yeah, so young. Oh, my Half God. His age. Half of his Half age. Half his age. Yeah. So it's like, it's like the, is, is she even closer to him than Kimberly is? Or is it just uh, yeah, that much younger? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yikes. Um. But they all sit and proceed to not really talk to each other until the moms start talking to each other about hoping that there are grandchildren and how Faradit, you know, whatever, better be okay with 
there being a second wife, which she says, you know, nothing to her face. I don't know. Just her face just this whole time was very much just seemed like, get me out of here. This is awful. This is this old creepy guy. Get him away. Um, Anyway, Uzma the whole time while they're doing this is just like slouching in his seat. Like he's laying really far back in his seat. Um, Eventually, the moms leave and leave the two of them to talk to each other. So as they uh, do, Jumai um, tells us that she hopes Faradit, um, you know, has a good, you know, finds a good match. You know, someone that's not addicted to drugs and doesn't live a life of crime. And Usman, very low standards. standards. So (laughs) Usman fits this bill splendidly. So according to her, at least. So once they are alone, Usman and Faradit just kind of uh, stare at each other and they... He asks, like, well, how many people am I competing with? And she says, it's just you. And then he tells us that if it weren't for Kimberly, he'd probably be pretty into this situation. So she he asks her if she's a fan of his music. And she said, I knew of you before you came to this house. <laughs> so he thinks, must be a fan. So he's in. So he kind of asks how many children she wants. And she says, less than four, which he goes, well, how about that? That's my range. Even though before, didn't he kill Tim- tell Kimberly it was like nine or ten? Well, per wife, you know. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> so we also see an interview where she says that she'd like to have Usman for a husband. But honestly, that really came across as somebody reading like the hostage letter on screen. She's <laughs> <Okay. laughs> just saying what she was supposed to say. She also says that she came across his songs on social media, but notably doesn't say that she likes them. So they both say that they need to get to know each other better before they get married. And he says the one thing she needs to know about, especially, is Kimberly. And he tells Faradit that Kimberly would be his first wife. And she's like, no, that's not going to work. I will not do that. So knowing that she has – and this is – and she knows at this point that she has the upper hand because she knows his mom – she knows what his mom wants and that's for her to be the first wife. So he says he isn't worried about it. They'll work it out before getting her phone number. So the date is over and Usman says, um, you know, they exchange numbers and everything, but it's too early to decide on the matter. Usman is not sure how it's going to work if they both of the women demand to be the first wife. So then we see switch to Kim, who has just been sitting around the hotel waiting room, hotel room, seething that she went on this date before she went back to the States. He should have waited until she left. That's what she would have done out of respect. So he tells her that the date was fine and they spoke, but, you know, it was just okay and it wasn't love or anything. Then he tells Kim that he told his mom they need time to talk about it, to think about it. So even though mom didn't say anything like this, they – she didn't answer this at all yet. They think that her loyalty is going to win mom over. So then Kimberly tells Usman how much she isn't ready for this, how she just proposed to him last night and now he's on a date. It's so weird. It's so bad. And at this point, she even notices he's not wearing the wedding ring, which he didn't wear because he thinks Faradit's not an idiot and also has access to American media and probably knows what the ring would mean. So then he starts to defend himself by saying that um, that it would be main saying no to his mother and blah, lots of stuff. Um, so anyway, they end up not fighting and hug it out. So the drama isn't over, though, because on what I assume is the next day, and what, and what Kimberly says is the last day there, Usman's mom has demanded an emergency meeting with them, and no one knows what it's about. So they wait in a park, and Kim – this is just like sitting next to Usman just being, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love God. you. And eventually, Muhammad and Fatimatu show up. She asks Usman why he wasn't satisfied with the woman she brought him. But 
Usman just said that he hasn't made up his mind yet. He needs to get to know her better. So Muhammad tells them that they, have, that they, the family, have drafted an agreement on behalf of the entire family. And they want to read it here. So he takes it out and gives it to them. And it sounds like it might be some weird prenup thing, but it's something, it's an agreement that allows her to be the first wife. It is the blessing that she's been waiting for. So she swiftly agrees and Usman thanks the mother and there's all smiles on their faces. So Vanamatu says that it was Kim's persistence and good attitude that made the difference. Mm. So then it's just a lot of yays and happy music. Um, So are you surprised that she ended up giving the blessing? Yes and no. I was surprised that it was this episode. Yeah. Uh, I kind of thought long term, I was really shocked that she kind of stuck with her guns uh, you know, the two times that they had asked. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yes and no. I think this this is an odd time for her to agree to it, where to me it seems extra staged. Sure. Well, I mean, it was it was before Kim left to go back to the States. Yeah. But I, I just, it's like, come on, mom. Yeah. Hold strong. I know. Like, just, just. Do it. It was, and we were talking about this offline. How just weirdly foreign it is for for both of us to have your parents mm-hmm. just like change their mind because of persistence. Yes. Yeah. And I think like the lack of follow through with your word, I think, yeah. is kind of odd too. Especially when it's like uh, you're an authority figure, right? Mm-hmm. So that is very confusing to me. Like we use the example of you know when we were grounded as kids. We were grounded for the time that our parents said, you know, but I had a neighbor kid who, you know, they would get grounded for a week and that lasted for like a couple hours. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they were magically not grounded anymore. And that used to really bother me that, you know, it's like someone's word isn't what they say. And, you know, an authority figure, like if they say something, it's like follow through. Come on. Right. What gets me is like the the idea of the persistence, because that Mm – is something that in my family would not be rewarded. Like, I, right. I imagine now imagine being grounded, right? And it's like, I'm grounded for a yeah. week. And I said, but dad, I've been really good today. Can I like just be grounded just until tomorrow? And he'd be like, now you're grounded for two weeks. Don't ask again. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Every yeah. time you ask, I'm at another week, right? That's, that's, right. that's the way my family operated. Not like, well, right. you must have really wanted it because you persistently asked me. It'd be like, no, I thought about it, it, it or like a toy or whatever it was. Like if I was bugging him and I asked more than once, yeah. it would have been like, well, the second time you ask, you're definitely not getting it. That is not going to happen. Like, Right. Because it, it's really, quite honestly, I kind of see it as like the persistence is like kind of a lack of respect absolutely. in a lot of ways. Yep. Right? Because you're mm-hmm. not respecting that their word is what their word is. But I definitely feel like it's part of a growing – either it's generational or American, but it's like – I think that this generation kind of coming coming up and we see it with our students is doesn't hurt to keep asking. <laughs> so they will. It's like doesn't cost them anything. And it's just like sometimes I really want to be punitive with them when they annoy me when they ask so many times. Like I've already said no. But you know what is we, we've talked about this in our own lives. How much how much of life things have I missed out on because I just ref- I don't ask for things right right and yeah. it's like and and yeah. because the squeaky wheel gets the great out in the real world you actually do have yes. to ask for what you want people don't just like right. give it to you yeah yeah but at the same time once I say no to me that's like stop asking yes that's true but they don't see it that way they're very persistent because like it doesn't cost anything to keep asking yeah and they give the sad faces my like, patience oh, oh, oh. and then yeah it's like 
Oh, yeah, I just I just finished the quarter, so I know what all all this all this asking stuff is about. But yeah, oh, I know, right? Grades. Yeah, it's all about grades. Um, Can you please accept this late work, even though I know you have a zero tolerance late policy? Yeah, no. even though you already gave me ten days to do it, and uh, it's twelve, it's fifteen days late, and I haven't done anything yeah. else this whole quarter. I mean, I really, right. it's gonna hurt my. I, I'm going to colleges now, and it's gonna hurt my applications. That was like, well. <laughs> Not something you should have thought of that. That sounds like a you problem. Yeah, yeah. But yes, and it, it just like I don't – so it's just – and I do think that's a huge cultural difference. I think other cultures very much mm -hmm. very much kind of have this, no, you must keep asking if you really want mm -hmm. something. And if you don't really want something, you stop asking. And that's just very, very foreign to me. But I just – I don't know. I don't I, – and then I could not get over this poor, poor fur deep man. Yeah. Like this poor girl. I was thinking about that too. Like, why would she want her uh, her mom? Her mom. Why would her mom want her eighteen year old daughter to date a dude who is twice her age, a divorcee, and dates old women? It just, She's got to know all those things, right? Yeah, and it's just uh, it it. I mean, it just struck me as. Either a person or a culture that just doesn't care about women. She's like, she's 18 now. She's costing me too much money. Get her the hell out of here. Marry her to the next person that comes around. Right? Oh and it's like. As long as he's not a prisoner, a former prisoner. Yeah, as long as he's not addict. a drug dealer, get her out. Like, we're done. Oh like, gosh. and that, that, I mean, that's what it struck me as is like, this yeah. girl needs to be out. And like, she didn't seem to be into it at all. She was very much not into Usman as much as she tried to say she, like, pretend she was. She was like, mm -hmm. this guy is old. He's old. Because yeah. he was, because he, you say he's what? He's 36, 37? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And that's like twice her age. Yeah. I mean, and, and of course it gets me because we go back to teachers. I have 18 year old students. So I'm just like, ew, gross. No, bad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. As soon as they were like 18, I was like, ah, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that might be the youngest person we've seen on this show, right? Oh, wait. Nah, that one girl, Omar. And um... I thought she was 19. Avery. Uh, yes, Avery and Omar. Yeah, yeah. and Omar. Yeah. She was, yeah. yeah. 19. Okay, I think she was the youngest person we had. Yeah. Evelyn Apples also, I think, was like 19. And what about the, hey, how old was the one from this one? Ben and what's her face? The. Oh, she just looked really young, but she, she was like 23 or something. 20s. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Early 20s is pretty typical for this yeah, show, I would say. Sure. But 18, 19, anything under 20, yeah. not so typical. Yeah. 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 So, not a fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, we saw everyone this week, yeah? Yes, we did. No, no we oh, missed Ed and Liz. Ed and Liz. Ed and Liz. Yes, Ed yeah. and Liz. Correct. All right. So, out of the group you saw this week, who was your student of the week? I'm going to uh, give it to Jenny for finally cleaning her house and decorating, putting yeah. stuff on the walls. like, uh, And not dying in the process, apparently. Almost dying, but not quite. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not talking about the fall. I'm talking about like the electrocution. Oh, right, right. Well, she did. She did injure herself. But yes, I mean, yes. even if she didn't go through the extra step of putting the plugs back in the wall, she at least <laughs> did mop the floor and like because they just been living like so bare. But like, I don't I really don't know how they live like they just they, they have just stuff sitting around. They have nothing on their walls. They have barely any furniture. And I don't and that. I don't know what they do all day long. What does Jenny do all day long? I don't know. Sleep. I guess. Drink chai. I don't know. 
I don't think yeah. they have a TV. Like, what does she do? No, they don't have a TV, I'm pretty sure. All right. Uh, my student of the week is Libby. Uh, I thought that she handled the uh, proposal of going to therapy diplomatically. She wasn't, you know, saying, yes, that sounds like a great idea to her dad. Mm-hmm. You know, she was saying, I'll try it. But if things go wrong, I'm out. And then presented it more positively to Andre. Yeah. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. OK. Uh, what about your nuts? I, I, I. I give it to Angela just because she was the one who was watching this, like was making me like shake my fist. Like I was just so angry with her this whole time. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, My dunce, I went with Jovi. Um, He really needs to get out of this like party vacation mode. Like that's not what this trip is about. Not this time. Well, that's the thing too. You can have, uh, he's also got to realize that there are party vacations and there are family vacations and they are not the same place. They are not the same vacation. No, they are not. Yeah. And I just think he's being really selfish, mm-hmm. you know, and trying to make this into his party vacation. So I don't know. He just needs to chill. Uh, yeah. OK. How about your life lesson? All right. So we got more tourism trips for me. And that's goes to Bilal and Shida because they were in New York this time. Mm-hmm. Times Square sucks. It's like easily the most <laughs> overrated thing in New York. And they spent a good solid five minutes being like, oh, we're in Times Square. It's like, look at the <laughs> creepy person with the fake Spider-Man thing on. Like, stop. Times Square is oh, awful. <laughs> I think that might be like, um, I don't know, uh, some people's opinion. I think it's suited for some kind of people, though, you know? Like, if your idea of a good time is Instagram-worthy pictures – which I don't think that's your thing. Then maybe I, no, I don't even no, no, because there's way better Instagram pictures and Central Park, Fifth Avenue, like on the things mm-hmm. that like Times Square is a good picture or one or two. Mm-hmm. But like, even if you take the picture, you're always like, there's some something sketchy as hell is happening two feet behind you, <laughs> like <laughs> everywhere you are. Okay. Um, so I also went uh, Bilal and Shida, uh, but more towards Bilal this time. Always do your best to put your best foot forward with the friend of your partner because they're the ones who will be talking someone in or out of a relationship when things go south. Yeah, but I think he was already in the mode of like, too late. She's here. <laughs> I got her already. <laughs> You're the one who has to get in line. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I think that's also another thing, too. Like the people who kind of think like once they're married that they don't have to put any effort or energy into a relationship because they can't lose that person. It also is a and I get where he was coming from. I feel feel like he also had the attitude of like, like we're married already and I still haven't Mm -hmm. met. So how how important of a friend are you really if I hadn't met you before we got married? Like, come on. Yeah. You know. And so I think he felt like you were kind of a back. Like this is a this is a backbencher friend that's coming in and be, and doing and, and coming in this hard that he's like. Mm. I mean, I've heard her say several times that this was her best friend this season, at least. Yeah, maybe. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, as far as we know, we'll see see all of this group again next week. Yep. Yep. We still don't have no idea how much time's left, but imagine a couple, maybe three yeah, we haven't had any announcements for any other show, so... Yeah, that's true. The foreseeable future, at least. Yeah. Yeah, because you know they never give us a break with this show. No, absolutely not. No. Nope. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, until next week... All right, talk to you then. Okay, okay bye. bye. bye.